Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's in My Head podcast. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Fitzgerald, Naz, and May Kanker, as well as so many other fantastic boys sitting right behind her. Aaron, for the third time, how are you today? I'm good. It takes three times for me to wake up, so I appreciate you uh, accommodating my crazy cuckoo brain. (laughs) No problem at all. So when I started reaching out to all the guests, not only did I never think that I would get any of the original voice cast for the Ed Boys. Um, <laughs> not only did I think, I wouldn't, I didn't think I would get to talk to anybody. This show was so influential to me as such a, a young kid. I lived oh. on a cul-de-sac for the longest time. Um, and by the longest time, it was like a year and a half and then we were out of there. Uh, but it imparted on me, like how every character in that show, you can equate that to every character in your life as a kid growing up. Everybody had a Rolf. Everybody yes. had the Kanker sisters that they were afraid of. Everybody had that Naz, that girl that everybody was chasing. Um, and it, it was just that that show was so influential, man. It was such a great show. And I always get Aww. just enamored when I have anybody from that cast on the cast, the crew and anybody. So like I said, thank you for doing this. Oh, um, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem at all. Um, but I like to do it a little bit differently than most people. You know, usually okay. it all goes like, hey, man, how'd you get your start? Or why'd you do this? <laughs> Ed and Nettie. Yeah, yeah, you know, right? But I want to know, like, when did you start noticing that you could do stuff with your voice that most people couldn't, you know? Okay. Okay. That's a good question. Um, Well, I I, I don't know if I ever noticed it. Like, here's the thing. If you do it since you were born, do you notice it? No, it because you assume everybody does it. My father did it. My father was very good at accents and impressions and like he could do every peter sellers character we would watch something on tv and my father could recreate it at the age of three i had like a 96 year old neighbor named mrs proud but she lived in a trailer in front of her children's mansion and i never met her children in their mansion but i would go over to mrs proudfoot's house and she didn't because she didn't have a tv i would act out whatever sunday movie i saw that week and I would perform it for her, doing all the characters. And she would sit patiently through my entire recreation of everything that I remembered. So I've always been able to do it. Always, always. Genetically, I've been able to do it because of my dad. But yeah, and, and also my levels of hyperactivity, which probably is ADHD that's never been diagnosed. Um, <laughs> I've always just been that person that irritates everybody around. I've just, I thought everybody did it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't notice that other people didn't do it. And um, people would just say, you're weird, you're funny. Um, but I, I'm like, okay, whatever, I don't care. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. It's just who I am. It's just who I've always been. And then life unfolds and it turns out it actually has a purpose who knew it's not like i was going to change anyway i was still going to be me my dad was a commander in the navy and he was doing it so like i remember 
um, him having like naval officers over and that they would perform skits and sketches and do full on sketch comedy. And I thought that was normal. I'm like, yeah, doesn't everybody's family do sketch comedy around the living room with like military officers? That's not a thing. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, it was always there, always there, always there, still there. The weird thing now is I don't do it as much to strangers the way I did before the job. But I still do it. Like when I'm walking a dog, I will voice every single dog I come in contact with as I see the scene play out. And it just makes like I assume the other owners are going to do it too. I'm like, how are you not voicing your dog while I'm, my dog is interacting with your dog? Like obviously she's like, I really love you. You're really nice. Oh my god! Like I absolutely voice whoever is there. How do you not? Do I don't understand the people who don't do it. Like explain to me the humans that don't do that. I don't know. You can't trust those two type, those those type of people. And there's two things that I really want to circle back. Uh, I was a Navy guy too for just a little while. I did about seven years and four months in the Navy. Um, so oh, fantastic! Yeah, it was that's a, a long time. Uh, it was a really long time. Uh, too long. It was uh, about seven years, three months, and twenty nine days. Just too long. I just I did not have fun. With American that. Navy or Canadian Navy? Uh, American. Um, okay, so. so that's a different. That, my dad was Canadian Navy. I just need to put perspective on that because the entire Canadian Navy can fit on one U.S. aircraft carrier. That's insane. So it's a different universe. Different universe. It's insane. It is insane. We never, I never got to deal too much with the Canadian Navy. However, we did a proof of concept mm -hmm. mission on, I think it was my, it's either my second or my last deployment. Um, we did a proof of concept with the Royal Navy, um, the UK mm -hmm. and everything like that, which was- Yeah, a, all of our ships are called Royal, yeah. It mm -hmm. was the craziest thing, because I don't know about your dad's ship, but they had bars, and I don't drink. Um, I, oh, I, yes, sir, full, <laughs> yes, sir, I mean- Not just one, what? we had three on there. Multiple. My yeah. dad had one in his cabin. He that's was the commander. <laughs> yeah, Captain Fitz, Commander Fitzgerald. Yeah, he had a, mm -hmm. that's a real thing. That's, that's <laughs> when I think about that, it's so insane. Cause like you, you see the American Navy and they're just all angry and, you know, pent up energy and you got all this different stuff because they- Now you understand where the sketch comedy came from. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, man. You get to blow off steam somehow. And it, it's just like, yeah. whenever, whenever I see something or hear something or you see a different side of the same thing we are. So like you see our yeah. counterparts in the UK or our counterparts in Russia or counterparts, you know, insert right. whatever here. And you see how they interact and you see how they deal with them. Like, man, they seem so much happier because they got to put one on at the end of the night every single because right. you can't go and put a bar on a navy ship. They would drink at, in, the, in the military for the uh, Americans, as far as I'm going. You can't. Well, it was the officers. I'm sure. It, now remember, I, I was young when I would go on board my dad's ship, so I don't think it was for everybody. I think it was officers only. I think that was a perk for officers. I don't remember there in the mess hall where everybody was. I don't remember there being alcohol there. I just remembered that because it wasn't a big bar yeah. it was a smaller bar so that was definitely officers only i know for the when we were on the british boat we were on there for about a week or 10 days i can't remember which one they had three bars they had one for enlisted they had one for the officers and this was a um i think they had they're called civ mars so civilian mariners um so oh the then we probably had the same thing yeah so it's a it's, the same, the same queen yeah, it, we're her army, you know, her navy. So the the Sivmars were just civilian mariners. So it was the they were civilians bought, or they were civilians that worked for the government. They were just you know civilian sailors and shit, and oh. they had their own war. And you couldn't mix and mingle. Of and course type they of did. Stuff. 
but it was the craziest thing because I met this little guy. His name is Ricky. And okay. uh, he'll, he'll love that I'm bringing him up because he's got a little podcast too going on right now. Uh, yeah, craziest son of a I've ever seen in my life, right? So he's sitting there and he's this little Indian cat and he comes up and then he just starts talking and he's mile a minute, mile a minute, mile a minute. And then he's like, hey, we're all going to go to the bar after, after work. I was like, well, I don't drink. We're not allowed to drink here. He's like, we, he's like, no, fuck it. Come on. We're going to go down here. We're going to drink. We're going to bond and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, but I don't drink. So I'm just going to go down there and have fun and see what all the yeah, other yeah. I get down there and all of the guys that said we weren't allowed to drink were down there drinking. So everybody was just lit up, right? So I'm having a good time. I'm watching people fall out of their chairs and they're only allowed and everything is on an honor system, right? So you've right. got three beers you're allowed to have or three mixed right. drinks because they have liquor on board too, which was crazy. Right. Right. So that is crazy. There and I walk in and I see Ricky and they have this other guy's name was Dafty right? Because he was just dumb. They called him dumb. So they called him Dafty. Dafty. Name. Yeah. So they had a mountain of beer cans just piled up. They're all sloshed and shit. And then, like I said, it's on an honor system. So you get a little book, you write down how many drinks you had. And to be honest, they were all writing them all down. They would make each other write the drinks down so nobody would actually steal. So for that, I was like, wow, you guys are so much more advanced and evolved than American sailors are. Cause these guys steal dirty underwear out of your bags. You know, it was just crazy and shit, right? Ew. Exactly. Right? <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair, they were expensive underwear. They were like, oh, oh, know, of course they were. Calvin like Klein. Yeah, I get that's it. That's probably what it was to begin with, you know. But uh, so they're sitting there, and a little guy, Ricky, comes up. He's like, Julian, I'll tell you what. If I put a dart through my cheek, because they had a dart board on there as well. He's like, right. if I put a dart, dart through my cheek, will you buy my drinks? And I was like, yeah, fuck it, I will. So I went to go cough or sneeze, and I turned to the side, and I come back around, and he's got a dart sticking through his cheek, right? And I'm like, whoa and he was like i put it through i was like but i didn't see it so it might have already been there and he was like you motherfucker so he goes ah and he pulls it out and slams it into his other cheek so he's got two darts in his cheek i'm like well, i guess i gotta pay for your drinks now and that was my first day meeting this guy he was the craziest the son of a bitch i've ever met in my life that's so crazy yeah right um but nonetheless man the military is crazy and we're not here to talk about the military i'm here to talk about you and how i uh, but that was really interesting and uh as a military brat i really appreciate all of that and i find it fascinating thank you I'm glad you find it fascinating so but so you you said mrs proudfoot right was that her name yeah that was her name mrs proudfoot yeah that's such a dope name i mean she sounds like she's i know a christian metal band right this proudfoot something right? We lived on an island. We lived on Vancouver Island. So we were up island on Vancouver Island. So I literally lived in a forest. Um, and I guess it was a cul-de-sac because it was like you turned off. And I don't even know what it was. Honestly, I lived there till I was five. But I was allowed to, you know, Generation X. I was allowed to roam from the age of two to four out in the wild by myself. I don't remember my mother ever being with me while I climbed through the little forest next to Mrs. Proudfoot's uh, trailer. And I could just wander into Mrs. Proudfoot's trailer. Like there wasn't like phone calls being made. Like I just walked over and wherever I was, I could hear my mom down the street in the house. Aaron! This is where I learned my projection, right? This is where I learned how to pro I'm coming! And then I, go, I just go home, right? Like when it's dinner. Like we were just allowed to roam. I remember going into a part of a forest near my house and there was a burnt down shack and I would play in the burnt down shack. And then on the other side of the forest behind Mrs. Proudfoot's house in this little forest area was a huge cemetery, which, you know, I, I didn't know what a cemetery was. I wouldn't know. I was wee little. And there was a little, I remember coming across this tiny little building 
And I'm like, oh, I found a house in the middle of the woods. That's what I'm thinking. And I opened the door and it was a chapel, but I had never been to a chapel, never heard of a chapel. No one ever. So I thought at three years old, I discovered a little house with glass mirrors and little pew. I'm like, this is my house now. This house was waiting for me. <gasps> so I went into the hot little house and nobody was ever in the little house. <laughs> it's just like, it was kind of a glorious childhood because nobody was there to explain things to me. So I had to, I got to make it up on my own, which in retrospect is exactly what I do for a living now. Everything is in my imagination. When you're behind a microphone, you don't get set costume design. You don't, half the time, you don't even get another actor. Luckily, we did with Ed and Eddie, and I was right across from Rolf. So just tr picture trying to keep your straight face. <laughs> right across from Rolf and Johnny, both of them right there. Then I have Kathleen next to me, and she's just a little poop disturber, and we're just cracking up, trying not, I'm like, you're going to we're gonna ruin every single take because she was so funny so if anyway so that's not the norm getting to be with everybody anymore you know panorama ding dong and everything so it's a lot of imagination where you have to mock everything up you have to imagine who you're talking to how far away they are you have to imagine what you're wearing what your body looks like because you know like uh, this body is totally different from from that body and from where is she but yeah this viking mm -hmm. berserker body like each body is so different all of that makes a difference so you've got to live in your imagination so my i feel like my whole life prepping prep me for this particular job and uh which is a weird thing to say because why would you be prepped to do cartoons and video games but i i really truly think i was like i think i was supposed to be doing this um which is why i have like a longevity of a career as opposed to like the fame of a career you know like i was never looking shoot when i was a kid um papa smurf was really papa smurf like there was no actor behind papa smurf you couldn't tell me there was an actor playing he-man he-man was he-man and she-ra was she-ra so this weirdness of like when people started looking up the actors behind the characters i never expected because when in the 90s um that was not a thing. So here, here I am now where pe some people look it up, some people pay attention, but I care more that my characters have the attention of the audiences than, than me personally. That It's more important that my characters are loved by the, by the audiences than whether or not they know who, what my name is. It's irrelevant. As long as I get to keep working. As long as the employers are like, who did that? Hey, let's get that chicky in. Yeah, bring me in. It's okay. so fantastic you say that because that's the exact opposite of why I started this podcast because I was sitting back there last year and I've told this story a few times on this podcast so for the fans I apologize but hey it's my show um when last year happened I've never heard this story Julian I've never heard this story well segue for just a second man this is why in marvel comics i don't know if you ever read comics but i can go and pull off any old school i was a dc comic girl i'm so sorry but i've read i've seen all the marvel content that is in video human form to be fair i'm more of a dc fan than a marvel fan however i just had to use marvel for an example um because batman's my guy batman swamp thing all thank you my guys thank you um, i appreciate you but with marvel comics and the whole reason i brought that one up is because stan lee had this amazing idea for the first page on almost every every comic book when he was still running running marvel comics and before then timely um right it would be something is always somebody's first in a sense so i go and pick up right. this comic book if i never picked up this comic book 
I see that number 157. Oh shit, I've got 156 issues I have exactly. to Exactly. this one. So he, I don't know if it was him that had this brilliant idea, but on every Marvel comic book now, you go to that first page and it gives you a reason, or not a reason to care, but it gives you some kind of backstory. Matt yeah. Murdock, Daredevil, you know, yeah. blinded at the age of whatever. So it gives you some, it's like that, you know. You understand. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Previously type. Pre-life. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is just uh, phenomenal. And I can't remember, remember why I got onto that topic, but nonetheless, man, it was just that, that first, like that initial, like, oh shit, you're getting a pre, oh, now I know why. So the podcast yeah. was started because I wanted people to know the names behind the faces because so long last year, I would sit here and like, who's that name? Why don't I know that name? Why do I know the character that they play? But I don't know their name. And I, and I started thinking, I'm like, I started writing down all these names. That is I interesting. Just, I just, well, I just... I sit back and I think, and you said something earlier that, that, you know, this is the first like wave of fans that has this kind of open communication with people like you, yeah. you know, yeah. for good, bad. And they use it. Oh, the fuck they do. And there's some <laughs> people out there. Oh, uh, no, there's some really nice, sweet, lovely ones. Oh, I, I attract the nice, sweet, lovely ones somehow. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're such a great person. I don't know what it is because I've had over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed, especially with this franchise, the Ed, Ed and Eddie franchise, is there's some really ride or die hardcore nerds out there. And there's, yeah, <laughs> there's some mean ones, but there's a nice ones. But you always have a douchebag. <laughs> out of 10, you're going to have one bad person is what I was getting at. Um, but uh, I wanted to know more about you guys. I wanted to know why it is it that I know these characters, but I don't know these faces. And right, then right. I heard a song last year. It was uh, right shortly after uh, Kobe Bryant died. Um, oh, or yeah. was it last year? Yeah, last year. I, I, for some reason, last year. Uh, it's a blur. It's all a blur. Yeah. It's all yeah, a blur. Nobody's like, judging oh, you. Years ago. I don't know what day today is, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> I just know it's Sunday because I'm not at work. Uh, marking it by someone's passing is a great way to mark time yes i remember that moment of time yes. yeah it was it was a real rough day because i'm a huge i'm a huge nba fan and just seeing like yeah. him go out at 41 i mean i was I like know. legends aren't supposed to do that legends are supposed to get old oh. and then i heard a song shortly after that is by a rapper named joiner lucas and he had the song it was called will and uh it was him essentially thanking will smith for giving him the motivation the inspiration to chase his dreams and he had a he had a line in there. He it said, "Give him a rose while they're still here." Right. And I, I thought about that's it. right. How the fuck can I do that? Because I have all these people that I oh, I'm getting my roses today, Julian. 100%. Oh, I'm getting my roses today. Oh, oh, I'll yeah. take this moment. I will take it. Thank you. Oh my god. But but that's that's why this one was started because I wanted people to get to know you guys i wanted i wanted to get oh, to know you guys man so i love that 100 like why this was done and it's not just animation because i i tried to stay 100 percent away from just solely animation that's why this thing it, is well it's too hard to to because it shouldn't be what your heart leads you to but because based on way the way you just described it there, there it's like you were discovering people because even character actors in live action don't get attention for who they are outside of the characters they are. If they're playing really good character roles, those are the ones that you that show up in everything, but you have no idea who the actor is. Um, those, it's the same thing. We're the same beast. <laughs> We're the same. So I love that that whatever whatever individual lights you up, that you feel like, oh, this person. Yeah. I think you should chase that more than a particular like whether or not they were in a video game or a cartoon or live act like just. I, I love that you're doing that. I feel like that's that's gotta satisfy the the young kid in you somewhere. 
it, where you're like, oh, dude, I got to talk to this. Like that's uh, my four-year-old is excited at that idea. It, it really does. Cause I sit back and I think about all of the guests I've had on so far. And we talked a little bit about Tony, Matt and Sam. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> Well, I had Matt on last year. I like boys. They're my favorite. I would take them to the store and kiss them on their face and give them lots of ketchup. <laughs> it, it, it's always, I've said this too multiple times on the podcast. There's two or three things that you can really think about. You hear a voice instantly flashes back to where you heard that. You smell something. Have you ever seen the movie Ratatouille where Igor comes in and he smells what, what Remy yeah. did with that Ratatouille? He gets instantly transported yes. back to where his knee was scraped, mm. he was crying, and his mom made him this dish. Yeah. It, like, I got goosebumps just thinking about it now, but whenever I hear a voice or I smell something, I see something, and I'm instantly transported back. And going back to your original point, the inner child in me, and that's why I like surrounding myself with all of this shit. You know, Ninja Turtles here, you know, I, I love these little guys from the Animaniacs. My wife got this for me. The good. Oh, dee, dee, dee. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Brilliant. So I, I like surrounding myself because I can get in that mindset of where I was or how yeah. I acted or what I thought. Because it's the pure creative inspiration, right? When we were young, we didn't put, our mental bodies didn't get in the way. It was just our purest creative selves, which to me is that spark within each of us that just is, right? Like that's the pure expression. And then we put emotions on it and, and memories on it and, and, and thinking on it. And that all muddies the water. But when you're just that pure version of yourself where you were inspired and whatever we saw when we we were kids tend to inspire us to be like oh yeah i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna i'm gonna totally be the justice league yeah. you know like whatever that energy is that pure kind of source energy i don't just everything in quantum physics talk for me i like quantum physics a lot um so, so i feel like whatever that is we should be constantly trying to get back to that state yeah. i think that is absolutely the journey so however you do it there is no judgment some people listen to music some people go dancing every weekend some people just whatever you do to tap into that is yeah. going to keep you going forward and keep you inspired moving forward i think that's awesome all of that is awesome to me yeah it's it's this has been the most fun time i've ever had doing any well not anything because there's some things i could get into you know being a married red-blooded american guy you could get into some things like oh man i have fun doing that stuff but that's neither here nor there it's just like this as it's not a job yet. It's not a profession yet. I would love for it one whoa, day. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's That's your mind talking. It's not a job yet. It's not a profession yet. That's your mind deciding what something is. Yeah. I was an actor at the age of three. Mm -hmm. I was not getting paid for it. Nobody was watching me do it. Yeah. I was an actor at the age of three. Mm -hmm. There is no question I was doing what I was doing. And it was my job because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So you can call it your job and you can call it your profession because you're already doing it, honey. You're not talking about doing it. You're doing it. You are living the thing. So this is your job. This is your profession. Whether you're getting paid or not, you would do it anyway. Why? Because you're following your passion. Yeah. So call it what it is and do not let your mind redefine that because that the mind is just compartmentalizing based on what it was taught. Yeah. That's not what is. You're such a fascinating person. Like, did you think coming onto this when I said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about Naz and May," that we'd sit, be, we'd be talking about your awesome father? Well, I never before. know where these go. I love yeah. a good conversation with a new human. I love it. I'm like, "Ooh, who are you? What are you into? Let's find out. Let's dig." Yeah, it, it's, it's always fascinating. I love all of it. 
So this is awesome. I'm so happy to be here. I'm I, I, I'm happy that somebody is, first of all, I don't think Ed and Eddie gets enough uh, credit or attention. I know it's popular, but I'm always surprised. Like no one has brought the entire cast to a convention or something like that. I'm like, how have you guys not done that yet? I'm just surprised. I, you know, and when I say you guys, I mean like the world pretty much. <laughs> like I'm trying to get that done. You're the first. You're the first to try to get us together. You're the first to even really attempt it. So I feel like right in that, you're you're breaking glass ceilings and you're shattering um, what used to be to what could be. So I, I feel if anybody could do it, it would be you. I look what you've already done. Look what you've already, you've already got four of us trusting you. So well, I feel like the rest will be a cakewalk. Well, some of them are because uh, I've had Peter on as well. Peter Kellerman. Yes, yes I love Peter. He's the funniest man alive. I say it all the time. He has got the best insult that is just always overlooked in anything I've ever seen. When he's got Kevin hanging out there, I don't know if you'll remember this, but the only reason I remember it is because it's, I don't remember scenes. I don't remember, you know, right. uh, lines of dialogue. But this one, for some reason, just stuck with me because it struck a, it, like, I was like, ooh, that one hurts because I've been called that corny white guy before. But he's got Kevin up there in his grips. And he's telling him to confess to his crimes, you stale end piece of white bread. And I was like, holy shit, that cut so deep because I'm, I'm a stale end piece of white bread. And I was like, fuck. I was like, that one stings on such a whole new level. It's so good. It's so fantastic. Oh, that, yeah, no, everything that came. And, and he was the one actor that Danny would let go rogue off the script. Yeah. Like very few of us were allowed to go rogue off the script. But Peter was absolutely allowed to go rogue off the script. And some of the stuff that would come out of his face, like I would literally be lips clamped, tears running down my face. Like it was so funny and just dying. And Danny likes multiple takes. So to get to watch Peter do it over and over. Oh, it was a glorious thing. And I used to go to all of Peter's stand-up shows too. Like he is a brilliant stand-up comedian. He's so talented. Yeah, he is just, he is the dude yeah. for real. When I was talking to him, I'm just like, I like it's so hard not seeing anybody other than Rolf when he talks. And I'm just like, <laughs> and I, 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 I talked to him after. I'm like, dude, thank you for doing this. But first off, I was like, it was so hard not to laugh just the entire time. Like every, it's, it's something, it's, it's not like I'm making fun of his face or his, it, like, he, he, you just no. look somebody and you just start laughing because he's that funny yes it's just like i'm like i'm trying so hard you're not right to like look at it like i'll look over here and then it's my turn to talk so i'll look back and i gotta come back over here because i don't want to be in tears the entire time just laughing now you know what i had to do in a four-hour <laughs> session put right off a, you understand now the yeah. plight it of was like I'm like, don't look up, don't look up. And then to have, and to have David Paul Grove right next to him. And, and he was, oh, oh my, even just thinking about it now, like the two of them were so serious about their comedy mm -hmm. that and it was so funny. It was, just, and the two of them right next to each other, it was glorious. It was, it, they, those were glorious times. Mm -hmm. um, nothing will ever be as funny as that room ever. It was You're not the glorious. first person that said that. It, you like you won't ever be as funny as that room. You won't ever have that much creative freedom. Like I've talked to so many of the writers and so many of the artists now at this point. You know, with the exception of, and I've got uh, Rachel coming on. I don't know if you remember. <gasps> yeah, I remember Rachel. Yes, I do. And then Sharon, I've got her coming on same day oh, on uh, the the twentieth of June. I've got those two coming on. And then nice. you know, I've had Big Jim and Jono and Joel, and Mike. You know, so I've had. <laughs> 
I've, I've had so many of these guys and they all say, all of you guys say the same thing. It was the most brutally intense yes. introduction to any show that they've ever done. Brutal. Yeah, it my first time. The funnest time that they have ever yes. had on anything. And it was the most creatively free they have ever been with the exception of Danny saying, hey, we're, we, you know, we have to do this. But what they meant by it was like, what Danny said went and Danny would die on yeah. his hill. And I, and there's so many people, and I don't use this, this term in a negative light. There's so many people that go and sell out because at the end of the day, like if somebody's offering you money to oh, do Oh, he is the, he's it. the example of how not to sell out. He's 100%. the only example I know of. Yes. I don't know of anybody else who has stuck to their guns as much as Danny Antonucci. Everybody else has sold out, including myself, including <laughs> myself. <laughs> it's just crazy when you have something that you have a story, you have a feeling, you have something as a creative person that you need to get off of your chest. You need, you have that baby in your hands and you yeah. take it and you have all of these guys and girls on the outside telling you, oh, we should do this, you should do this. He's, and he's like, no, no, fuck off. I, I'm telling my story. This is my story. This is not your story. This is not her story. Yep. This is, story. This is yep. my story. And very, very few people, and, and I've never met the guy, but just hearing the stories that I've heard about the guy, you don't see amazing. like him that will no. go and say, I'm not doing what you want me to do. I'm doing, did you ever listen to uh, Rage Against the Machine? Yes, of course. Fuck you, I'm I won't do what you tell me. Should have been not the right. income to to Danny's life when it comes to this story. It was, it you was. It, it's yeah. just like, I love There's no question. There's um, no question. And, and like, I remember that there was a period of time. Um, so in my head, Naz was going to be like Naz, no, Naz, Naz, okay. Naz was going to be like this really cool skater chick, right? Like, as we start the show, I'm like, oh, what's with the style and clothes, Eddie? It's customer appreciation day at the candy store, and we're giving away jawbreakers for free. Like, she was so badass. Like, it's so cool. And he kept making me make sure that I didn't go into value with her. He didn't want me to, he was like, it had to be like this really kind of pure place. And then there was a bet that as the show just kept going, like who knew the show was like, what show goes that long? So that show kept going. And then he decided to put the, the everybody, all the kids in school. And then when he put her in that cheerleader uniform, oh, we had a conversation. <laughs> I, um, I had such a difficult time with that. I'm like, you turn my skater girl into a cheerleader? What is wrong with you? Like we had words and he, just like you said, he very firmly, but lovingly because he loves what he does so much said, I have to represent the people I experienced when I was in school. Naz is the only one out of the group that had to embody all of those types of girls that I went to school with. And I went, oh, oh, you're right. Damn it, I have to give in to that. I can't fight that because that's so honest and pure. And, and, and I get his vision and I get what he's doing. You know, I'm like, oh, dude, you're, you win. So then she became a cheerleader. <laughs> And I was like, I capitulate. Does who was more gratifying to play, Naz or May? Um, May Kanker, yeah. duh. <laughs> I really liked the way that she was always. I always felt she could have been a really good person if she wasn't around her sisters. <laughs> and like, she had like the sweetest moments. Like, 
in the, my favorite episode is the Valentine's Day episode where her and Double D get together. Even though I am a diehard May and Ed till the death. We're gonna have babies that have gravy on their hair. We're gonna wash them in gravy bath and feed them toast with ketchup on it. You know, like um, I loved. Uh, I mean, I like toast chickens. Everything that is added makes me laugh my pants off. Like everything Matt Hill does absolutely thrills me to the floor. He's definitely one of my favorite actors I've ever worked with. He's so funny. And we also have a real natural chemistry um, character wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that Valentine's Day episode, like that took me out. Like just to see the sweetness that May could be. Uh, and if she wasn't around such bad influences like her sisters, like it was, I, I just, I, I, th- I feel like I am more May than I am Naz. I want to be Naz. I wish I was as cool as Naz. I wish, like, when I walked into a room, like, I could be chill. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely more <laughs> May Canker. I'm definitely more all over the place. And I hope that they don't. What does he want me to do? And if any cool girls are in the room and they tell me, I'll just do what they told me. Okay. <laughs> May, go get your toys. Okay. You know, she is Ed. She's the girl version of Ed, which is why they would make a really cute couple. I I can't agree more. Uh, When you were trying to find the voice or when you're trying to flush out a voice, obviously you guys get the Bibles and it tells you, you know, a brief synopsis. You're you're laughing because Mike sent me the sent me the Bible. <laughs> Mike, uh, actors do not get the Bible. You guys don't? Actors do not get the Bible. Not when you're auditioning. Really? Not when you're on. You get after you book the role. Oh, after you, you guys, book the role. I thought you guys get a piece of paper that will say, "Hey, this is what you're." Uh, uh, no, it's called a breakdown, and, and oh, it's perfect. very small. And it's no, it does. It gives you a, a description an image and then lines and they're called audition sides. And the reason they're called sides is so that the casting director can hear different sides of the character. A Bible is the entire breakdown of the entire show, where it's going, all of the characters, everything, everything, everything. Actors do not get the Bible when they're auditioning. They get one page for one character. I auditioned for a number of characters, and this is like pre-computers, pre-internet, pre-everything, right? So I have like, I rented like a DAT recorder, was on the floor of my apartment in Vancouver, and Brian Dobson, Michael Dobson's younger brother, who was just getting into voiceover at the same time that I was. And we auditioned on the floor in my living room for this show. Um, I got a callback for Make Hanker only. I went in for the callback. Um, and the, uh, Danny fired the casting director like three times. Jesus. So it was like a six month casting process. Cause I went in three different times for the callback for Make Hanker. Um, she did not have a snort at first. She had a lisp. I had her with a lisp. And then one of the casting directors was like, get rid of the list, give her a snort. So I'm like, whatever you say, sir, because it's my first audition for anything. And of course, we didn't know what Cartoon Network was. There was no such thing as Cartoon Network. And in fact, Canada never got Cartoon Network, a, a channel that plays 24 hours cartoons. What? I've never heard of that. That's ridiculous. No one will ever buy that. So we're auditioning for the show that we're never going to get to see. Um, so I, I audition for it. And then I book. I book Make Hanker. 
and I'm like, I'm just so, I'm just, I'm just so excited to get in the room. You know, I'm like 20 something. I don't remember 25. I was a young kitten. And, um, I get in the room with all of these amazing talents who have been working for a while. And then, um, and then Tabitha St. Germain, who was originally Naz, that was like her first year she was having a blow up in her acting career in Vancouver. Like she was definitely on a huge peak. And that first season with Naz, Naz barely said anything. Uh, she was just kind of there looking cute. And, and like Tabitha was in a, she was playing little voice in the McPherson theater. She was doing a one woman, huge Broadway level show at the biggest theater in Vancouver. And she was being like, she was being called everywhere to do everything. She was the lead in everything. So she left after the first season. Cause it was, it was, it was eating her time that she needed for other projects that were much higher profile. And so that's when I got Naz Cause I was the only cast member a female cast member who didn't have two characters anyway. So I guess Danny was just like, you do Naz now. And so I basically, Naz was like uh, my Drew Barrymore, if Drew Barrymore was more of a skater, you know, like um, that's kicking your ass. That's my <laughs> Drew Barrymore. And so Naz, what's with the styling clothes, Eddie? So she's, it's the same placement, like whatever. Okay, Ed, <laughs> you're just so cute though where are the jawbreakers you know she had a little bit more of a surfer vibe to her for me so that's pretty much how i got both roles and uh so the first role i auditioned for that took forever and a million and I, so i assumed i didn't get it six months you know nobody i'm like they would have told me by now right and then i got the call and i'm like holy crap stickers i got I got in a show and that opened up my whole cartoon that that that's the beginning of my career the beginning of my career behind a microphone was at Ed Nettie. I'd been doing television and film. I'd been doing theater because as an actor, you're going to act anywhere you can. And it wasn't called voice acting, really. It was just acting behind a mic, right? We called it voice acting just so you knew what kind of audition you were going to get. And because we had to show up to auditions. We couldn't record from home. There was no, We didn't have the equipment to buy a huge like that didn't exist yet. So it was so old school. Like if I had an audition, I went to a studio to audition. Like that was the way to do it. It was, oh man, that was like, now when I think about it, that's like the golden years before the interwebs. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty glorious. I was standing around some really talented people. And so I learned a lot about the job on the job, watching everybody, soaking in everything. It's so wild because you're not the first person that essentially started their career with this show. A lot of the artists, a lot of the writers, yeah. A, yeah. Lot, a lot of the voice actors, but I mean. I've seen some of, some of the artists here since then. Like yeah. I've, I've actually worked with several people since then. We're like, oh, <laughs> it's such a glorious feeling. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool. It, it's, it's just wild to see so many people's firsts in something that has this show has got legs this show yeah was, in my opinion you know during that that renaissance if you will i don't want to be too yeah. um highfalutin here with that word but uh, oh be highfalutin <laughs> be high i like a good highfalutinness give it to me yeah, give that, it to that me julia <laughs> that entire run of cartoons i mean you got dexter's lab courage the cowardly dog Edit, <laughs> powerpuff girls right you have all of these shows 
And then the one that stuck out the most, other than the only one that really stuck out pretty close to Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and it's only because there's not enough representation of redheaded dudes, was Dexter from Dexter's Lab. Um, so oh, I was like, we, Kid Next Door, Kid Next Door. That one was a little bit after my time. Oh, I guess not, it was. not so much after my time, but I had started watching, it was more, uh, more movies. I, I love Dexter's Lab, though. That was such a good one. Batman Gendy is one of the smartest people. I mean, he had Dexter's Lab. He had Samurai Jack and he had Primal. I don't yeah. know if you've ever watched yeah. Primal. Um, have you seen Yes, that? I have. Yes, I have. Holy yeah. shit. Like the entire first season, there's not one word uttered the entire, the I know. entire show. It's beautifully animated. It beautifully shot. Beautifully animated. And the story being told just through visual and sound like the music it is it's, it is gorgeous it's stunning it, it's a it's a masterpiece but you know the reason like i said edit any stuck out so much is because it was it felt like like it felt like kids were writing this show or it felt like kids were actually voicing this like you see them and then i, I didn't know what the term yeah because it was we were kids <laughs> i didn't know what the term was called until i had talked to jono but the line around all of you guys's character the boiling line and then he he went and explained it a little bit further. He was like, "Yeah, Danny took it." And he he said, "Kids aren't standing yeah. still. Can kids have Ever. All energy pent up? So why would their why would their why would they look stationary?" And I, yep. I thought about it. And I'm like, that was what set this show. At least for me, it always no no for real. You know, it's and epic, it epic. Yeah, you know, it was it was yeah. just phenomenal. And th th like I said, this show was so huge, and the fact that they have not. And maybe they have tried, and then Danny's just like, nah, I don't want to tell the story anymore. But the fact that there's so many shows like Hey Arnold got a reboot, somewhat. They got a movie. Rock oh, I know some information on this. Ooh. I, I, I know some I, I asked. I asked. I wanted to know. Yeah. I remember uh, when Danny, uh, we had done the um, Comic-Con, 2007 Comic-Con. And I asked him, I said, because he, he said, look, basically Cartoon Network gave him the choice. He could do another season. Or he could do a movie. And he felt he had told all the stories he wanted to tell. And he wanted to make sure it ended properly. Because you, because they had switched heads of Cartoon Network. And things were getting kind of like wild, wild westy at Cartoon Network. So his relationships with the people that started, he, and Danny's not a people person. Yeah. <laughs> so when new people come in and are in charge, that's not going to go well. So I think it was more his not trusting where Cartoon Network, Network was going to end up. Yeah. And like, if, if Cartoon Network tanks, he didn't want the show to tank with it. Mm -hmm. So he knew he had the opportunity to wrap it up beautifully for the fans, for himself, for the story that he wanted. And he owns the rights to his show. Cartoon Network, it does not own Ed and Eddie. Antonucci owns it, and, and AKA Cartoon owns Ed and Nettie. Yeah. They're the only show that did that. So Cartoon Network can't reboot that show. They can't do what they've done to all the other shows mm -hmm. because he is, again, he's so kind of like rogue where he knew because of the experiences he'd had before yeah. of somebody taking an IP from him. So he kept his IP at a time when nobody kept their IP. And that's why you don't see it being regurgitated. And that's why it's still pure. So I personally, he said to me, he would never reboot it. Not ever, ever, not ever, 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 not ever. Because he, again, he, he's not about, he told his story. He told it. He, it's his piece of art. Why would you regurgitate a piece of art? You know, like, and for him, he's, he's that kind of an artist. 
it's from it's complete from beginning to end anything that's a, anything that would be recreated might be a regurgitation now if he decided to do something different like take the show and make them older or that would be amazing like i would i would lose the plot if he continued this somehow in some way that felt authentic to him that felt like it was a, uh, just a, like a secondary piece of art to the first piece of art he created. I feel like there is possibility of that, but the way he, um, every time I've asked him in the in the interim of the years, and I have asked him, he's been very adamant that it's a hard no. So I would be surprised if that changed. I do know that he was working on something new, um, but I don't, but I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with this. I think it's something because he's 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 an artist. He's got new stories and. I, Anything he does, I will follow till the end of the earth because he's a genius. Whatever he creates, it's a, it's a genius. So I'm excited for whatever he births next because he doesn't rush things, obviously. He's taken his time. He makes sure that everything is exactly the way he wants it. So whatever comes next is going to be a piece of art mm -hmm. and worth following. I'm just so incredibly grateful that he let me play with him and his team for as long as he did, because I am not the personality that a Danny Antonucci enjoys, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm much too perky and bubbly and hyper, and he is so grounded and metal and punk. And like, I am, I am, but he, he, he knew how to use my artistry. He knew what I could bring to the table. And, and dude, when I, I moved from Vancouver to LA, and then I was told by the voice director that they'd have to replace me. There's no way they could record me in LA, which I didn't understand. I'm like, why can't you record me in LA? That doesn't make sense to me at all. And so they had to replace me. And it was Danny who said, no, the, the replacement can't be Aaron. We need to get Aaron, bring Aaron back. Yeah. The only reason I continued on the show, I was fired because I moved locations um, and, then, and then rehired because Danny, nobody else was the character's the way he wanted the characters to be. So then they had to, and it was weird because Canada blamed the US union. And when I called the US union, they're like, we don't care. You do whatever you need to do. Uh, it's your union. If you got to record here for your, it was the Canadian union that didn't want me recording in the States, it turned out. So then they had to fly me up to do recording sessions, which, and this is not to do with the show. This has to do with Canadian production in Vancouver. That is not done. Like Canadians are, not, Canadian talent is not treated well in Canada. Well, at that time, I don't know. I haven't been there for 20 years. Who knows what it is now? Hopefully it's a lot better. But at that time, like they'll fly up an American actor, but you know, they don't pay for Canadians to come home. So um, I was asked by the union. I, so I called the union, my Canadian union. <laughs> like um, production has asked me to pay for my own ticket up and put myself up for a job that's not gonna pay enough to cover the plane ticket or putting myself up. Um, shouldn't there be something in the, they're like, oh yeah, well, they technically they should pay for the uh, ticket and the thing, but you know, you don't wanna rock the boat, do you? I'm like, that's my union, that's my union. You don't wanna rock the boat? Really, Canada, come on. So I did what uh, my, everything that was against my Canadian nature. And I took a little bit from this new American energy I was getting and I stood up for myself. And I said, well, if you want me, you're gonna have to fly me up and uh, we'll have to figure out, I, I don't care if it's the same day, I'll fly up, 
record, fly me back in the same day so you don't have to pay for anything else. Let's just figure it out. Yeah. And uh, and they did it. They did it. I'm the first, I was the first, it's never happened in voiceover before at that time. So I was the first one to get that, especially as a female. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big deal. It was a big deal at the time. And so I got to, I didn't go up all the time. Like I think they recorded once a month, but I would go up every three months yeah. and then I would, record the content that I missed type of a thing. But it was a big deal that Danny stood up for me and was like, and didn't like the replacement. And he called me back like that. That meant more to me than anything in my entire career, because um, there was somebody in Canada who had said to me uh, when I was moving, who said, you're never going to work in LA. The only reason you work here is because you're cheap. Ooh. That's what I was told. Uh, white male, older white male you know, jealous that I was making a move and, uh, and he sabotaged me energetically because that's already what I had thought. You know, I was young, I was 20, 25, 20, probably by then I was 27. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 so him saying that out loud hit that little note in myself that already was thinking that and then magnified it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a really, it was a challenge to overcome that thinking. Uh, and, and Danny bringing me back, help repair that tremendously where i was like well if if i'm only working because i'm cheap well now i'm not cheap now it's more expensive to hire me for this job thank you sir that that whoever that person is we'll leave his name out um no of course i would not ever mention who it is just what does his name rhyme with i'm just kidding um no that guy Mm -hmm. is an asshole for one i mean just to go and look i mean obviously if you turn around i don't know if you'll be able to see him but if you're looking at the screen you can see all the characters that dude doesn't know his asshole from his elbow looking at all of those characters boxed in around you. So that guy might've been in the show business, but he deserved to be somewhere else because he can't see talent, obviously. Um, well, what I also loved, I think that might, but everything's a blessing. Like I, I, now when I look at that moment, it, it lit a fire under my butt to prove him wrong. Yeah. If he hadn't said that, you know, the, the oppressor always is the gift of like, well, let me prove you wrong. I can work around you. You are not the defining moment in my life. And it allowed me, because at the time I definitely was uh, 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 submissive to older white male energy. And when an older white male told me, this is what it is. And I know because I'm an older white man and they could talk out of their butt, and I believe, including my father, believe everything that they said, yeah. right? Because the boomer generation, obviously they know everything. And, and then I started discovering that wasn't true and that my truth was just as authentic and real, but I, that was my journey to take. You know, I had to learn that on my own. Like I was like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. And for me, home is in my heart and where my truth is and who I am and then just proving myself. And, and the people who opened um, doors for me were always women, always the women who, uh, women who were not threatened by talent, w- women who were, we're ready to rejoice and like another talented person, let's get together and do stuff, you know? So yeah. And the people who cast me most in my life in Los Angeles have been women, other women who recognize my talent and don't, don't feel, um, now I work with a lot of men too, who are very gracious and kind and awesome, but the people who definitely rebuilt my career, I guess maybe I just trusted the women more at that point based on that that one experience. Yeah. And, and that's unfortunate that that one experience kind of um, ruined it for other good human beings for a minute. 
but I'm, I feel like I've worked it all out now. Yeah. So now I'm like wide open, like what you got, let's play. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I, I the, the blame I used to have, I don't have anymore because I, everything happened. People can't hurt you unless you give them permission to hurt you. Yeah. You know, I gave him permission to hurt me because I already had the doubt within me. And then once I worked through that doubt, I'm like, oh, well he did me a favor because I needed to get rid of that doubt within me. It's funny how that always And works. now I know. Everybody needs just a little adversity. I yes. always love hearing. And <clears throat> what I do is a daytime job um, to, you know, to make a living and stuff. I cook in a restaurant. And I, whenever I cook for people, I don't have fun at work cooking because it's just, it's, I have to be there because they pay me. As long as they keep paying me, I keep showing up. As soon as they stop paying yeah. me, I'm just going to find some other place. Right. But I don't get the same gratification that I get when I have my friends and family over and I get to cook for them and I get to talk to them and all that other stuff because it seems mm. more personable, right? It, the whole selling out thing is coming back and is, it feels like oh, you have to sell a little bit of your soul so you can eat and your family can eat type of thing, right? If that makes right. any sense whatsoever. And I get- Yes, more it does. Of course it does. Yes, uh, everyone's experiencing that, yes. Yeah, you know, so you get, I get more gratification by sitting there, but what I love hearing is not how much everybody loves it. I love hearing what they don't like about it because if there's one thing, especially with food, oh, yeah. and you can stretch this across anything really. You can talk about music, movies. I don't like opera music. I don't like musicals. I don't like this. You're like, why don't you like that? Let's dial right. that back a little bit. Why don't you like this? And going to food specifically and why I like hearing the negatives over the positives is because right. it helps me grow. You don't like this because of the texture. Okay, let me try it again. Okay, yeah, the texture's a little off. Maybe it's a little grainy. Maybe I could have did something to thicken it up. So next time I go, I'm going to keep that in the back of my head. So the next time I make this, I'm growing, I'm evolving, I'm progressing in this thing that I call a profession in food industry. Um, I see but isn't that, that ultimately self-mastery? Like, isn't it all just a big, long kung fu movie? It's, I, it's 36 <laughs> Chambers of Shaolin, baby. Oh, like, man. we are all just trying to mass self-mastery because it's about controlling ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, our emotions and our, and our mental to, to be like, I'm willing to make adjustments and get better. I'm yeah. willing to be open and flexible to get better at the, the craft I'm currently working in. So for you, it's cooking. For me, it's still this. Uh, but it could shift at any time, right? Because careers change all the time. But whatever you're working at, it's so that you can get better at it and better and find something more. There's, there's always another step to take. And that's why I love that movie, 36 Chambers, because there's like he was battling himself, mm -hmm. not battling other people. He's battling himself to try to get to the next level. And we're all just trying to level up. It's all one giant video game, baby. We're just trying to get the right sauce. <laughs> we actually just watched that. My, my son, he's, uh, we just did our, our second tournament in the past two weeks. He got second yesterday. He's kind of bummed because uh, he went oh. out there and he just, he, he's, he does point karate. So he went out there and he walked Ooh. through everybody um, until the final two fights. And then, you know, it just, he just kept standing still. It was just something he's still growing. He's only been doing it for a year and a half, you know? So he puts, he, I see his little brain work almost the same way that right. mine works. And he's so much more like my wife than he's like me in a sense that I have a very particular, it's going to sound like I'm Liam Neeson here and taken. I have a very particular set of, you know, how my brain works and all that other shit. Okay. Got these skills and these mindsets and how I think and how I get through stuff. And he's the exact right. opposite. He's a lot, he's a lot more gentler of a person, kinder. He's very oh. trusting. He's a very sweet person. 
Um, and he gets that from my wife. Me, I always try to see whatever. And I, I don't want to say it's 100% the Navy, but when, when, you're in a, when you're in a field and you have to have your head on a swivel on a consistent basis, you go to all these different right. countries and they always tell you, be safe, be careful, you know, look right. for different things. I always try to see, whenever I talk to somebody, for the most part, I try right. to see their angle, where they're coming in at. Like, what what is this person trying to get from me? And right. most of the time you find out like, oh, they're not trying to get anything from me. They're just trying to, you know, they're trying to understand where I'm coming from or where they're coming from. We're trying to make mm-hmm. the same. It's communication like we're doing right now. It's weird because you have all these channels yeah. that are going these different ways. And then everybody's trying to fit in. Everybody's trying to talk. Everybody's trying to add, right? So going yeah. back to him, we saw that movie for the first time not too long ago. Well, he's seen it for the first time. First time for me in a long time. Um, and he's just sitting there and he was like, this is wild. And I was like, how so? And then he was like, I don't see how they do stuff with their body the way they're doing stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's athletics, but a lot of this stuff is done by wires and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. And he was like, but I don't understand like how they can manipulate their bodies like that. So he would start watching this stuff and then he would stand up and he would get in his little karate stance and he would try to sit there and, you know, mimic what they were doing. And then just seeing like people's brains work. And like I said, he's the same way. Yeah. He's the same way I am, where he'll go, he'll want to go and he'll want to watch his fights, but he wants to see where he messed up. He wants to see not where he was doing good, where he just walked through everybody. He wants to see those right. fights that he lost because he doesn't want to have that feeling again, which I, yeah. especially in today's day and age with kids, like I see so many kids that, that, that walk through life and it's just, people are different, right? Times are yeah. different. You know, but when yeah. I was a little kid, I would sit there and I don't want to lose. Like, I wouldn't be an asshole about it. You know, if I got beat, I got beat. You know, I would just go mm-hmm. the next day. As soon as I got home from basketball that day, I'm out in my front yard shooting hoops until the lights go out. I'm never going right. to right? So you Yeah, got well, but we also didn't have the internet. We didn't have so much yeah. content. Like, our content was programmed. We knew exactly what time and which day of the week our content was going to be on. And we didn't, there were no marathons and no rabbit holes and nothing like that. So the rest of the time we had to make stuff up to do which meant practice like and but we were we were the generation oh i'm i feel like i'm way older than you but like the generations that we can like practice 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 and this i feel like this entire generation the gen z's the the yeah like i feel like they have been kind of forced into this weird place where they they are they're not taught to practice anymore they're just kind of like told to go and do it like go to your first class and then master it yeah. You know, but that's not how life works. And nobody, nobody's creating that. Like we had space to yeah. practice, but now that parent schedules are, you know, scheduled within an inch of their lives uh, and kids do not get to roam free in the middle of a forest by themselves and have mom call till like they're, they're so um, every eyes are on them all the time. There mm-hmm. is no free space yeah. to practice and to suck at something. Yeah. We need humans need free space to suck we need to be able to be in a space where no one's going to walk in where we feel safe that we can practice something until we get better at it i think that's why so many people like video games so much because as if you're playing a video games no one's going to bug you and that's where we get grinding is practicing that's what the grind is so all of this generations of kids who are on the grind i gotta grind i gotta grind for my levels i gotta hit diamond i'm going for platinum that is the equivalent like if you were able to do that in a game you can do that in your life but that means you have to create the space 
-hmm. that you can practice in where nobody's watching you while you're doing it. Nobody wants, you don't want to, nobody wants anybody to see their grind, you know, like what all those hours I did creating characters and skits that were awful. They were awful. (laughs) And then I forced all the kids in the neighborhood to be in it. And then I forced adults to watch it and they were awful. And I was awful. But that's how I was cutting my teeth. I didn't put them on. There was no YouTube to put them on to get thousands and thousands of people telling me how awful I was. That would have been awful. I, you know, like, I I feel like people are, but because they're the generation, we got to put it on, we just Snapchat, right? Put it on TikTok right away. Put it on, like, it's got, it goes from zero to the performance in an instant. And then people don't get the opportunity to have the space to suck without being told by a million strangers that they suck. Like that's devastating. Granted, I can't even imagine how how much stronger they are and how much stronger they will be than I ever was because of that. However, if you got an opportunity to create some space so that you can practice something, do that and surround yourself with people that give you that space. Yeah. If it's not your family, create a friend group where you can go and practice whatever it is together outside of like, like if I, when I was in, I was a, a cheerleader in high school. <laughs> so when outside, but it's Canadian cheerleaders, not the same thing, not as glorified as American. We didn't do, it was not, not like that dramatic. Nobody, nobody wanted to date the cheerleaders in Canada. <laughs> but but Danny I knew, Danny knew is what you're saying. He knew that you could pull off the cheerleader. <laughs> I wanted to be the skater girl, but, uh, but like we would rehearse at school, but then I would spend a lot of time rehearsing outside. Like I would just do my own rehearsal because I wanted to be better for me. Not be better for other people, but I wanted to do the best that I could do for me. So giving yourself that kind of space for for practice, whatever it is, I don't care if it's cooking, sewing, um, you know, like uh, 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 accounting, real accounting, not the accounting on TikTok um, or uh, the other one. Uh, But like all of that is an art form within itself because it's problem solving. It's using your creative imagination. It's it's trying to it's course correction. Right. Like I I read this book called by Jeff Olson called uh, The Slight Edge. Really great book, recommended for everybody in life. The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, and he he tells the story of um, that when when a rocket ship when the, the ship was launched to go to the moon, right? That, that the very first space, you know, what is a rocket rocket ship yeah. to go to the moon? Uh, it was only on course on course three percent of the time. That's so what does that mean? <laughs> that means it was off course ninety. Seven percent of the time. So what are the astronauts doing? They're not on course riding to the moon. They're constantly correcting course. Mm -hmm. The entire, to go to the moon, they had to hire professional people who were excellent at course correction. Because it wasn't about being on course. It was about getting back to the direction you're trying to go. Because all of these other things are pulling you out of, out of your, you know, you've got this, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. And then life happens. And then a puppy shows up, a baby shows up, things happen, pulls you off course. And then course correction, course correction. So really practicing is just course correction. And what you're doing cooking is course correction. It's like, well, this was a little bit wet. Well, next time I'm going to course correct. I'm going to make it a little bit thicker, but no, you're never going to get the same thing twice. Because you're different every time you create something. You're a little bit different. You've learned a little bit. You've grown a little bit. Maybe your tastes have changed a little bit. Maybe not so much salt today. 
<laughs> but other people are like, we bought salt. Put it on yourself. <laughs> Mine is perfectly salted. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Those are my it, thoughts. It's it, When I sat down and thought, like, who do I want to get on this podcast? When I started to think, oh, man, voice actors, voice actresses, writers, animators, all these different things. You guys are some of the most fascinating people I've ever talked to because you guys are in, and maybe it's not for everybody, but you're in a childlike wonder when you guys are playing with these characters. Like I've heard- so Oh, that's real. <laughs> people call it playing in a sandbox. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yes, it, sir. It, it's, it's always fascinating. There's one other person that I've had on here that I don't think we talk too much about animation. You might know her. Nika Futterman, do you know her? Yeah, I know. well, I don't know her personally. I know her professionally. Okay, so I, I talked with her last year, and I've been so waiting talented. for, like, the perfect time to release this episode because this, it was a wild episode. We talked about a lot of the same stuff we're talking about in life, kids, yeah. all this other crazy shit going on, and we talked a little bit about animation here and there. Um, but what, what, I'm getting, what I'm getting to is you guys are some of the most fascinating people I've ever had and ever had the chance to talk to. I mean, Aww. whenever somebody looks at this episode, like, oh, we're going to talk about Ed, 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 I'm like, maybe, I mean, it, it might get to it. Or, you know, hey, we're going to talk about, hey, Arnold, on this one. Maybe, I mean, if we get to it, we get to it. If not, it's, right. I like having conversations. That's why I always tell everybody whenever we do the little pre-interview thing we do before is it's going to be unconventional. It's not going to be like, there will be some yes and no's type of things. And I try not to ask you guys the same things that you've been asked before. I try to watch all the interviews. I feel like this is a real conversation with yeah. somebody I don't know. And we're getting to know each other. That's what I like. I love that. That's real. Fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And this is, this is what's lost in today's day and age. We were talking about all yes, these means of people being able to tell you, you suck at doing whatever you're doing because you post a video, right? You don't have the chance to suck long enough so you can get good. You know, and, and with the internet, people don't have this. They have social media. Everything you see is written yeah. down. Everything is yeah. communicated through thumbs. It's communicating through voice, right? You, you miss thought about because you don't want to piss off a menjillion people. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then you're starting to put yourself. Filtered. You're, yeah, you're typecasting yourself in a sense because you yeah. can't be honest because you have to be one way because if you're this way, everybody will accept you. But if you're this way, mm -hmm. you're going against the grain. You're that punk rocker. You're that metal guy that just doesn't get it, doesn't conform and all yeah. this other shit. And it's just yeah. completely bullshit when you think about it, right? So I love, you know, getting to my original point, I love having you guys on. I love when you guys are open. I love when you guys are honest because like I said, it makes for a good conversation. Whether we talk about A, B, C, what the fuck ever we talk about, it's a conversation. And if most people can't get behind that, then like, you're a robot right. more than likely is what I'm getting at. Right, right. As, as we start going <laughs> down and I can sit here and talk for hours. I've got another podcast coming up in about an hour. So I kind of got to wrap this one up. We got to wrap this baby up. Yeah, yeah. But that yeah. was, this has been absolutely, this has been wonderful. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Uh, this was a great conversation. I'm sorry I didn't get to see uh, the guys when they were on, but this is pretty dope. And I appreciate, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. Uh, professional Julian. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. So I always open it up to fans questions and stuff like that uh, towards the end of these podcasts, because not everybody will get to talk to the people that right. they listened to and watched on TV. So I always try to right. open it up so they can get their chance. Um, right. and some of these questions are me and some of these questions are fans, but some of these questions are really fun. Um, speaking on Danny, we talked about him a little bit. Um, we yeah. talked a little bit about AK. And one thing that I absolutely love whenever I have you guys from AK that come on here is they talk about the Christmas parties, right? The Christmas parties. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I've, I've heard, forgotten about the Christmas parties. Most of you guys oh. have until I bring that up. And the whole, the only person that started this was when I had Jono on. He was showing yeah, me like all these John little crazy things. Yes, and I've heard some stories, and some of these stories I've had to cut out of these interviews. So if you go and say something you can't say, uh, no I problem. I don't know if I'm going to remember much. I don't uh, know if I'm going to remember much. It's, perf it's perfectly the, There's those kind of parties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. I've heard those kind of party stories. Had to cut those ones out. And then I was like, yeah, man, if we can never talk about that again, I'd be, I don't want to lose my career. I'm like, no problem, man. I'll cut it out. Don't worry about it. I don't want to get yeah. your career ruined. But uh, do you have a favorite gift? Oh, we won't talk about parties in general, but do you have a favorite gift you've gotten from these? Like they would show, uh, like they show me AKA condoms. Uh, what was the other one? It was uh, break and case glass. And I think it was. Uh, oh, I love the break and case glass. Yeah. That was a great one. Oh, I still yeah. have my, um, I still have, where is, oh, it's in my booth. I keep all my AKA stuff in my booth. I, things that inspire me, I keep in my booth. It was a wooden case and it had like, I had all sorts of swag. Like, no, the, the AKA swag was the best swag. It was so creative. It, it was the, the, I remember a beer can. I don't remember what it was anymore. Oh my God. I remember, yeah. I, like bits and pieces, like it was 20 years ago. And, you know, yeah. I don't remember so much anymore. But yeah, it was pretty glorious. And then I left. When I left, after I left, I didn't get to go to, and like, once I was in America, I didn't get to go to the Christmas party. So I only went to the Christmas parties for two years before I before I left. So I only had a two year experience with all of that. And then of course the the big party in um, Comic Con. It yeah. was pretty dope. It was yeah, a that, big dope. One of the stories I had to cut out. Uh, Joel told me a fantastic story. Um, so I can't. I won't, I won't say it. Uh, if you want to know, I'll tell you off air. Um, but okay. It, it was a story that had me in tears. The first seven and a half minutes, I was laughing so hard. I couldn't breathe. I, good it was probably a good thing we, we, uh, we cut it out because it sounded like I was wheezy on the, on the microphone. Um, but it was just a fantastic time. But one of the other questions that somebody wanted to know, um, what was it like taking over for Tabitha? Whenever you have to take over for somebody and they already have an established character. Well, remember, it was my first job. It was my first job. So I hadn't had an experience of it before. Okay. Uh, I, I knew, I think I was really paranoid of like really wanting to match the voice match, which I was quite good at at that time because I did a lot of ADR and looping. And so I was voice matching people all the time professionally as a job. So uh, wanting to voice match her was a big thing uh, for the first little bit. And then Danny just kind of let her settle into a place within me that was just, but she hadn't said enough, like a lot to begin yeah. with, which was the blessing. The mm -hmm. blessing was there wasn't like a huge established monologue of Tabitha that I had to match. It was like little sound bites that I was matching. So I just started with that. And of course, I mean, getting to watch Tabitha, I already had that spirit within me type of a thing and then Danny was very like <laughs> there were many sessions of Danny going no that's not Naz do it more Naz and me going it's been 10 years I am Naz how can I be more of me I don't know so uh yeah I that was his direction be more Naz <laughs> which is glorious so yeah, it was it, for me. It's more about getting into the spirit of the character, and I had a great conversation with Phil Lamar uh, about this actual subject 
because like you know some you get hired to voice match some like he was he took on a chris rocks character front he did a, a character in a movie and then for the series phil lamar was taking on chris rocks character now chris, chris he can do a perfect chris rock impression and sound like chris rock so that's why they hired him they're like okay we want chris rock so do chris rock so he did chris rock but the writing in a series the character started developing and going into places and having emotions in a way that the character in the movie never had. And so Phil, the character becomes a real life character. And then the, as the character is going into these new emotional expressions, it sounds less like Chris Rock because Chris Rock didn't go there emotionally. So the, the producers were like, no, 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 no. We want it to sound like Chris. You're getting away from Chris. And, and Phil was like, look, you either, you either want good acting and where the character is feeling these things authentically or you want chris rock which his performance in the film was like one dimensional because that's what he was directed to do one dimensional so there's no there's no reference for going outside of that and so the producers obviously want for the acting and uh, but that that's the the play right that's the it's like at some point the character becomes yours mm -hmm. um like with Chie, um, the care the actress who played her before me was Tracy Rooney. And in the first game, the Persona 4 game, it was a very dark tone because Persona 3 was a very dark video game, very dark tone. But when they did Persona 4, so they did Persona 4 thinking it's going to be the same tone as all the previous content, which was really, really dark. After they recorded 4, they were going to do like an additional content beefed up version called Persona 4 Golden. And the producers were like, we made a mistake. We need to go in a different direction with a couple of the characters because this is more of a Scooby-Doo crowd and we need to go more Scooby-Doo than serious. And Tracy, the actress who was playing her, was a very dramatic actress, is a very dramatic, is very good at drama. And, and this, she had like an older sound and they wanted to younger up. And she, it wasn't really her pocket. So she walked from the show and then um, I was called in. I didn't audition, I was called in to play, play Chie because I was already into Kung Fu movies and I already ate a lot of meat. So like that was already there. So, uh, but when, but that was like a, uh, one of the examples of, of taking over a role because they went in a different direction and going in a different direction is freeing because you don't have to do what the previous person, they specifically don't want you to do the, they want to go some in a different, different way. It's when you take over a role that you have to, and I don't think I've ever done it where I've taken over a role other than Naz to to sound exactly like the person before me i i tend to be the original character yeah. in the original voice like for all the monster high stuff all the girls that play my characters after me have to do their versions after me like mm -hmm. i'm the original girl i'm the original one so i'm i like being the original more than having to mimic i'm not i i can mimic but you can't make you mimic sound you can't mimic spirit you yeah. can't it's impossible. I can't imitate your your the, the the spark of who you are. That's impossible. I can sound like you, but it's not the same thing. So the characters have their own life. So it is that's a sucky. I, I don't take those jobs so much. Like I don't audition for jobs that are sound alike so much, it, especially if it's a well established character. One because I don't know what the why why are they recasting. Are they recasting because this person has deserved a, a pay bump and they don't want to pay the pay bump. Well, I'm definitely not going to replace somebody because I there's they can be shady in this industry. So I'm yeah. like, mm, I'm not going after this actor's role until I know from the actor that they're leaving and it's legit yeah. for whatever reason. Now, isn't that weird to hear? And Phil Phil is one of the most talented people, and I, I don't mean yeah. this in a bad way because I I have this tendency to say something and I say it incorrectly, and he's 
in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated people in this business. That man Agreed. can do he's phenomenal. things that I've never heard or seen. His character before. range is phenomenal. His it's character range, like we're, we're what, hundreds and thousands of characters for him easily by now. I mean, from on camera, like don't forget the on camera stuff, like all of his on camera characters, plus his body of work behind a microphone. It's, it's unfathomable. It, it's, it's just, he is enormous. one of the most underrated people. Like you, you say that name and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And then you show yeah, him. But you see his like, face. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows who he is. It's so, yeah. I don't want to say demeaning because it's not the right word. It's, it's so, I guess, heartbreaking. No, he's just good. No, no. He's good at his job. It's not heartbreaking. He's good at his job. He's good at his job. He's good at his job. That is a compliment, my friend. Yeah. When people don't know who we are, it means our characters win out. And when my characters win out, you know who my character is, but you don't know who I am. I did my job. If I sound like me, then I have failed at my job. <laughs> when you guys see that on a call sheet that you see, like that you were saying that he, we, we need more Chris Rock. Is that demeaning to you? Not demeaning, because that's not the right word. Oh, that drives me crazy. I think yeah. if you want Chris Rock, hire Chris Rock. Yeah, just pay for him. I mean, he's rich. Like I mean, all the auditions, all the auditions. I, I mean, I've gotten auditions where it literally said, sound like Laura Bailey. I'm like, I texted Laura Bailey. I'm like, I hope you are auditioning for this because they want you for whatever reason, they're not hiring you, yeah. but I'm not going to read for a part that where they could literally just call your agent and book you. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. It drives me nuts when they give me other actresses who exist and are alive as references. I'm like, you can hire them, you know, like they would be available. They are still here. Yes. They haven't gone anywhere. Hire that person. They could do this job. Mm -hmm. I am a big supporter of other actresses. Like we already have a hard enough time because like what was uh, two years before the panorama ding dong, uh, I was sitting in a, in a studio and they were recording a huge game in another room. I record a little game and then they were recording a huge game in another room. And they were they were like, oh, it's a huge game. There's like 600 characters. It's such a big deal. And they're dropping, dropping all the celebrities coming through. And I'm like, oh yeah, how many female characters? 600 characters, there were three female characters. That is insane. Do you remember the game? I mean, we'll talk about it off. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not gonna, I'm, I will not. Mm -mm. But you'll know it if you play it, pay attention. It's pretty clear when you play the games that have three female characters, you can hear nothing but men. Uh, just use your ears. <laughs> but. <laughs> And so I'm a big advocate of like, it's not taking work away from me, making sure that my sisters are working. You yeah. know what I mean? It is not taking work away from me, making sure my sisters of color are working. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it, there's room for everybody and we need more. So like, if you're, if you're telling me you want me to sound like so-and-so and so-and-so hire so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah. I'm a character actor. I will bring an original character. I'm not going to do a character that sounds like somebody who exists in the real world that's absurd you're that's never going to hire me anyway because you're going to want you're all you're going to listen to is that you're going to have that actor's voice in your head and waiting like those uh, yeah yeah anyway no it, it's, it's 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 a fantastic way to look at it because you hear so many things and it's and i don't want to keep picking on the Hollywood business, but you hear so many things across everybody's business when it comes to lines of work, just the shadiness mm -hmm. of people. And especially when you get the things like this, like I want it to sound like him or I want it to sound like her. And you start mm -hmm. thinking, I'm like, okay, well, if you want them, this is their natural voice. I mean, just me being an outsider looking in, hire Chris Rock. I mean, 
Phil's not hurting for roles and movies and money. I mean, everybody right. can make more money, but that man is talented. If you want Chris Rock, get who's better at sounding like Chris Rock than Chris fucking Rock? I mean, well, the, the, there could be the odds that he said no, that he didn't yeah. want to do a series, right? So that's when we're now when we know that when we know that the they're like we're not going to be able to get the the celebrity who did this. Now we're looking for a celebrity voice match. That's a different animal mm -hmm. than knowing that if some, cause like if somebody's a huge, and that's like, I don't even know if that's true anymore because I feel like what was pre-streaming and post-streaming world. So I feel like that same series now, Chris Rock did the movie, Chris Rock would have done the series yeah. now in a post-streaming world. Pre-streaming, it was like, oh no, I'm a film actor, I don't do television. But we're in a different universe now. So I don't even think any of that, is, like that's the way things were. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, no, you definitely could hire them because they're in the middle of, uh, uh, of a pandemonium and they can't work properly. And I'm sure they would kill for some animated work right now. <laughs> they probably need to pay some bills. Hire that actor. They're yeah. probably available. It's funny you say that because you, you look back 20 years ago and 20 years ago i'm 11 I'm, i'll be 32 in august but 20 years oh ago, you are yeah. a baby yeah i thought so <laughs> 20 years ago you look back and you could tell that there were television actors and there were film actors right yeah it was a big Very, deal and if, right and if you go back 30 and 40 years they did not cross over with the exception of kevin ever. Bacon, nobody ever really crossed over ever. Right? and then you start thinking like and you start seeing everybody that was a film actor like oh shit there's money in television people are yeah. watching television because me i am a character driven person i don't give a shit i watch wrestling every week that's the only show that i can keep up with because i'm a huge aew fan right i i can love it. and i love the stories that they're telling i like right. a character evolve right, right. i would much yeah, rather yeah. 12 hours of a character evolving than two and a half hours and you've got 17 characters you're trying to get over and nobody has time to shine it's stupid. oh are we complaining about marvel again because that's what it feels like <laughs> <laughs> that is my biggest pet peeve i'm like character development i don't care about your story if i don't care about your characters yeah i don't care about your story if I don't care about your characters, I'm the same way. I'm absolutely the same way. So it's interesting, like, it's interesting to see, like, it's definitely different. Like, we're not even barely in halfway through 2021, but the entire industry is different now. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what comes in the next three years because casting is totally different. Um, Diversity is totally different. Gender norming is totally different. Like when I say gender norming, I mean like including all the genders, which there are more than two now. So we can definitely include everybody, you know, get some non-binary, put everybody in. Everybody can be in everything now. Like there's gonna be such interesting stories because we are finally out of the kind of vanilla default placement of content prior. I'm so excited for what's coming. I'm so excited for the content I've been getting to work on that I can't tell you about. I'm so excited about how all of this is going to look. And now that now that actors are just being actors again, and it's like, guess what? You're an actor. Whether you're in film, television, behind a mic, on stage, you're an actor. You can do anything you want. Just act. We just want to work. Yeah. We don't care the venue of delivery. We just want to work. Yeah, there's nothing worse than being, I've said this multiple times too, so I apologize, but there's nothing okay. worse than being a creative person 
having all of this creative energy, this, this outlet, you have yeah. this picture in your mind of something you want to share and then nobody yeah. to share it with. And that's exactly what last year was. That's yeah. why you saw so many people jumping on Cameo, so many people jumping on yeah. YouTube, so many people, they had to get this creative. They want to express, they want people to see it. Right. Exactly. Um, and it, it's just fantastic to see that it's on both sides. Um, yeah. Going into the next couple questions here. Um, now, this is one that I thought of because both Jono and Mike, the writers for Ed, Ed and Eddie, they had a very, very difficult time writing Naz as a character. They've said that she was just so, and using your words, was so vanilla, right? And with that yep. being said, can you tell, obviously you can tell if somebody's heart is not into something, you can tell, oh, they're just trying to get a cash grab. Look at any of these reboots that they've done to an extent they're like oh they're just cashing in on somebody's absolutely love for a franchise and they're going to make a billion dollars on this star wars yeah. <clears throat> I'm say that sorry george um but when you're working on a project and you know a character let's just say naz will keep it in the edit and eddie realm um yeah. i don't know if you knew that that character was difficult for a lot of the writers to write because it was just they they, they kept saying that she was just such a plain character it's like what do we well do they never that? gave her any character development they really That's didn't that's they, they, think about it think about it they ended up making her a mean girl mm -hmm. right like they literally took the skater cool chick and made her into cheerleader a little bit of a mean girl a little yeah. bit of a you know so that's what they chose to do with her mm -hmm. but that's more of a reflection on how men feel about women like that already so like that's a, what i love about that is it such a reflection of, like I it happens to me all the time I have to play female characters written by men who have opinions about the type of woman character that is based on their own life experiences so I feel all of their like what disdain dislike like I don't I would never give her the time of day you know like not my type type of I can feel that in their writing if they write it like that so um, yeah, I definitely felt it in Naz because like Naz never had any, that's why I like Mae Kanker. She had well more meat yeah. and character development than Naz ever did because Naz was kind of like stuck in this kind of like first in the cool, because she was the object of desire, mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to play a character that is an object <laughs> of yeah. desire. And then she'd be kind of like an instigator in high school. So that is a one dimensional character that's never gonna change, right? Like there is no growth there because because she's she's there for to serve the male characters. Yeah. Um, which I get. And and it's remember it was created in the nineties. That like that was that was par for the course. And not just for Ed Ed and Eddie, for every role I played on camera, yeah. every female character I auditioned for was a vehicle for a male character to shine. That's all women really were in content period. Yeah. So like I would go after roles like drug addicts and hookers. Cause I'm like, well, at least that's an interesting character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause the regular female characters were such plot devices and so boring. And I was like, so like one dimensional and they were all written by men. So it was like, they didn't feel like real females. They didn't feel authentic in any way. So that was normal. So playing Naz was like that character that I, so I already knew where that, so I, I, it wasn't hard to play that. Like that's like every female role since the birth that I've been handed. And I'm like, Oh really? <sighs> okay. It's like masking. If you're neurodivergent and you have to mask so that you fit in with everybody, as opposed to being my real female self that is weird and quirky and dynamic and has all sorts of ups and downs. Naz was none of those things. 
So going back to what you just said, though, what was your favorite and second favorite drug dealer and or hooker to play in your career? Oh, no, I'm not talking about that because I don't want anybody to see that stuff. No, nope. we're not. We're not talking about it. It's somewhere. It's somewhere. Y'all will find it. I know you will. You probably already seen it. Didn't know it was me. So oh, there's, there's somebody pulling it up right now. They're like, there. that's her favorite role, right? Probably. There. Probably. It was fun, though. I had a good dealer time. Number three. That's her. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was all fun. Characters are fun. Even Naz was so much fun. I liked being Naz because I was never the cool girl that made guys go gaga. So getting to pretend I was that for a minute was, I'm like, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got one more here. And this is, now, I don't know, anime is so difficult and it's so, for me, it is so difficult to get into because like comic books, there is a fan base that is rabid. Yeah. And if there's a, a fan right. base that is more rabid than anime, I'm still waiting to find it. The um, most toxicity I get online comes from uh, the Japanese um, content that I have um, performed mm -hmm. to localize. That is where I get the most toxicity. None of the Western stuff. I don't get toxicity from anything that uh, I've played that's in Western content, whether it's game or animation. All the toxicity I get online comes from Westerners who are deep into Japanese content, who uh, decide that whatever I do, whatever I do, what choices I make in my career, what choices I make as a character, what choices I make, like they are all up in my business as if they know me, they don't know me. It's it's just wild. Like like. The only reason I bring this one up because it's an anime-related question. And, okay. Uh, like I said, the fan base alone is my my friend calls them sweaty neckbeards because you just look at somebody like, yeah, this dude wearing a Naruto shirt, yeah, he's a neckbeard for sure. You just you can automatically just see that person think you can know how he's going to talk, what he's going to say, how he's going to look, right? And the only reason I bring this mm. up because when I when I thought when I thought I knew a little bit about anime, and I don't watch much of it, you know, I've okay. watched Dragon Ball Z in its entirety. And, you know, oh, when okay. we talk about that one, um, they come and say, well, that's not real anime. This is because it's main. Yeah, it's, it's made by a Japanese person. It was in Shonen Jumps and all this other stuff in Japan. It's a Japanese okay. cartoon. But when you talk to some of these fans that are hardcore anime people, that's not oh, real. Oh, they'll fight. They'll, they'll die on any hill. Yeah. Yeah, right. So. I don't know where this one's at as far as the original Let's find Sailor out. Moon goes, but oh, I, was, okay. I was a very, very big fan of Sailor Moon. I, I think it's the original iteration of this because my sister, my older sister, there was two things that she passed down that I absolutely loved. I loved the Golden Girls. Sophia was my person, man. I love, yes. Fantastic. That I still- I like Rose. I, Rose, but yes man but sophia was hilarious yeah she, her acid tongue Ooh. yeah she, she's so good like rolf she's like rolf in a sense because she would picture she it. is sicily and, and right? <laughs> no females get that kind of role it was such a meaty female role where she could be authentically like a, a acid tongue smart whipper yeah. cracker yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good yeah, role. She's a fantastic character, man. Um, but so I don't know where Sailor Moon really ramps up as far as the one you worked on compared to that one, and I don't know if it's still in. Well, the, the the original Sailor Moon was recorded in Canada, ironically, um, and then the 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 re 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 record, mm -hmm. like I guess an updated dub, yeah. I guess, um, was recorded in L.A. 
and I played, uh, I don't know how many, but a lot of the villains. So like if an episode happened and it was a female villain, I'm probably in there and all of them, you know, bite it at the end, except for, except for this chick, she got, she got to have multiple episodes, but most of the characters I play in Sailor Moon were one-offs for that episode. So I played a lot, a lot of the evil you know, I was always trying to kill the the Sailor Moon girls, yeah. always, always, always. So, uh, and I'm I mean I'm throughout. So I'm a, um, again I'm a utility player. So they call me in because I can play multiple roles in the same age range, the same villain kind of. But nobody will know it's me. Well, it's always fantastic what you guys can do with your range. The only reason I brought Sailor Moon up because, like I said, Sailor Mars was always my favorite. Her and Jupiter were always my two favorites growing Aww. up. Um, but what was it like? Were you a huge Sailor Moon fan growing up? No, no, I didn't watch anime. No, I was not an anime fan. I didn't like Japanese animation. I was a Western animation girl growing up. I didn't get into uh, anime until I saw Perfect Blue in the theater. And I realized that, oh, this is not a kid's cartoon. <laughs> now that's interesting. And um, and then I started uh, I started investigating more of the philosophical kind of like um, more complex animations. So uh, anime. So I didn't I wasn't attracted to the young ch children and I didn't like the anime style. I, I, for, I, I felt that when I was young coming from the girl who watched Spider-Man and they use the same dang scene over and over and over again. My judgmental butt was like, they all look the same. Everybody's got big eyes and it's all the same. You know, I'm like, so it's, it's so ridiculous because Spider-Man literally used the same scene over and over for a 30 minute opposite. Like, but that's how I felt at the time. So I, it didn't resonate with me. I didn't resonate with the style. I was very much, I like cartoon cartoons. Um, but then when I was, you know, 18 and I started discovering the, the grown-up, the grown-up stories told through anime and it was just so beautiful and the animation was so gorgeous and so like Miyazaki and, and, um, oh, what is that? The one with, where they play the Madame Butterfly, Paprika, I love Paprika, like all of those ones are just so stunning and then I understood it from a completely different perspective, but I never watched anime series the only anime series i ever really watched was because of a boyfriend and he was deep into the series bleach and my puppy has now got a squeeze toy you're welcome uh he, he was deep into the series bleach and so he was explaining the entire series of bleach to me and um i swear to god he's the reason that that job manifested because i was called out of the blue and the director was the woman who was my favorite character in the first anime movie i ever watched perfect blue so it was like this whole coming together moment where i'm like how did you and i think it was his love for the show that manifested it and then i got to be in and then once i was in bleach i was in a whole bunch of other stuff but I, my first anime series that I worked on was Ranma One Half in Vancouver and Saber Marionette J in Vancouver. And I had such a difficult time. I remember for Saber Marionette J, my character was very submissive and she, there was a guy character and I didn't understand like the Japanese cult, like there was no internet, right? Like I couldn't go look these things up. So I did not know Japanese culture. I did not know Japanese content. I did not get it. And so the, all of these women calling this guy master and offering to give him a bath, I did not know what fan service was. I was like, I felt all my 20 year old tank girl, butt was like, uh, uh, I am not saying master to anybody. So this director 
store director, this guy, he, Ginger Beard, he's like, okay, so I need you to like, and I'm like, do you know who you cast? What are you doing? And like, she was very, oh, so sweet. Oh yes, master. Can I give you, I'm like, mm -mm. no, no. Like we had words. I was about to walk off the job because I didn't understand. He's like, I need to explain Japanese culture to you very, very quickly so that you will do this job. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you better explain because I'm not doing this. This just looks like some of that sex stuff. I'm not doing that, that sex stuff. I'm not going to do like the, the Japanese porno stuff. Uh-uh. He's like, no, it's not that. So this poor guy, he did such a brilliant job. I don't even remember what he said anymore, but he explained it in such a way that I went, oh there was an aha moment yeah. and it unlocked it and then i could record the content but i was so tank girl like armpit <laughs> hair full grown like i'm ready to throw down like i am not anybody's you know like it was very funny and that's where i lived back in my 20s so i because i was so tired of those female characters and being told that like I was definitely uh, uh, exhausted at constantly being told that I was supposed to be a sex sexual object for male gaze. I was tired then, and we didn't even use those words yet. We didn't have the term male gaze, or you know, like it just wasn't a thing. But I knew I didn't like it. I knew I was like over it. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's an interesting. So yeah, I was never really deep into anime. So it wasn't until getting into the the more content that I was recording here, that was fascinating. Like Bleach is a fascinating series. Like once I got in and, and my boyfriend had to explain everything to me, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. But anything, it, I will be taken out watching an anime the moment the misogyny shows up or pedophilia in my, my interpretation of what I think is pedophilia. I'm like, I'm out, I tap out here. Nope, yeah. that's pedophilia for me, I'm gone. I won't watch it. Misogyny, I'm gone. Racism, I'm gone, bye. Mm -mm, can't watch it nope mm -mm. There's and there's a lot that has that for me but for other people it, it the same content may not resonate in the same way it's just a matter of perspective right oh 100 percent, and that's all it really is perception is key when you look at it because you can look at something one way i can yeah. look at something the other way exactly you, like most kids on my t-shirt right i was not allowed to watch the simpsons growing up i couldn't watch the right. simpsons and i couldn't watch the rugrats because my mom did not like angelica pickles at all she was like i do not want my kids acting like her wow. she like, if, if my kids think that that's okay same thing with bart simpson if they right. see, he can sit there and talk shit or she can right shit, then i don't want that to happen um but and that makes sense to me i get that i get that but i don't judge other people for liking yeah. it no 100 percent. people like what they like and people don't like yeah. what they don't like right that's, that's yeah all you can really do is make, hey, like, if you like this, check this out. And I always like to give somebody, not a suggestion to check somebody out, but this is one show that I really enjoyed. And then we'll end it with this. Yeah. Because last year when everybody got told to go home was the first time, and my kid, my my first, my oldest son, I don't, I have a son that's on the way in about a month. Um, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I'm so excited because I missed the first, essentially the first four years of my oldest son's life. I missed it because of deployments oh, and all this other stuff. Of so course. I, the first I know what that's first, like. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's it's very hard when somebody else knows what that's like because most of the time you very rarely do you meet somebody that was either in the military or was a child of somebody that was in the military because it's- It never bothered me. I was fine with it. Absolutely yeah. didn't affect my relationship with my dad at all. In fact, it only made him a rock star. 
Yeah. Well, it's just, it's like, for me, it was like, cause I didn't have a dad growing up. He went to prison when I was okay. real young, you know? So oh. I was always at the park. Like, why is Johnny? Oh, so being there? away would yeah. bring up all of those feelings. Yeah, yeah. It's different when you know your dad's at work, your dad's at work. Well, he didn't know because he was still real young. He kept asking oh. me like, whenever he would start talking and stuff, he's like, when are you coming home? And I was like, buddy, I don't know when I'm coming home. And he was like, right. I really want to play with Wait you. a second. You can communicate with your kid while you were gone? Uh, when I was young, my dad was at sea for six months to a year. We did not hear from him. Yeah, we would write he letters. He was gone. We would, write, we would write emails. And then when I could, like, it's a lot better than it Spoiled. Used. He it, was spoiled. But, it, but at the end of the day, like, I think it hurt me more than it hurt him. Because yeah, he, my sure. last deployment, he was like, why do you have to leave? And I was yeah. like, because they're telling me I have to. And he was like, well, that's stupid. I want to sit home and watch cartoons. I want to watch movies with you. I don't want oh. you to go. And that was the most heartbreaking thing for oh, me. And right there, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I had to get out, right? So yeah. last year was like the first physical year because I traded one profession for another one with the Navy and the military, with the military and then into the food service industry. The Ooh. food service industry is like military light, right? They run it right. just like boot camp. You know, you have right. people you have to answer to and then the hours are long and you work, right. you work weekends and you work um, holidays and shit like that. So it's like right. the Navy, but you get to go home at some point in time, right? Right, right. I was going so hard and so heavy because I was going to college. I was working full time. I was wow. just everything done, trying to catch up, trying to be like a real person, like a civilian again. Cause I, you know, yeah. once I turned 18, I yeah. pretty much left for the military. So I didn't get to go to college. I didn't get to experience yeah. like, what it's like to grow up and shit like that. Um, you know, you're forced to grow up real quick when you get in the military. Right. It's either you, you get good or you get the fuck out. That's essentially right. what they, they treat it. And, um, Last year, like everything stopped for everybody, right? So it was cool. And I don't want to say COVID is a great thing, but COVID put so many things in there. There were blessings. Yes. In the, yeah, there was a silver lining to the dark cloud. Yeah. And last year, and this is what I was talking about earlier when I wanted to give you a suggestion. If you haven't, I'm pretty sure you've already seen this, but I was very late to this cartoon. My Hero Academia. Have you seen this? This, this anime? No. It mm -hmm. is the most phenomenal cartoon. I have ever seen in my life. I, oh, I, 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 I have a lot of friends in it. I've I've talked to probably a few of them. I've talked to Lucy, Lucy Christian. I've talked to Robert McCollum. Um, I'm actually going to MegaCon this year in a couple months in hopes because Chris Sabat's people told me to not fuck off. They're like, you're not big enough. That was one of the people I was talking about okay. earlier. Like, you're not big enough. Come back. Chris, don't be a dumbass. No, no, Do not the him, show. Not him. Oh, his, okay. his people, his people. Um, I very rarely, unless I communicate. He's with a down to earth dude. I feel 100%. that's ridiculous. He's pretty chill. He's pretty awesome. I can't wait to meet him because in Dragon yeah, Ball, he's a nice he's favorite character. He's Piccolo. Yeah, yeah. He's my favorite character. Yeah. Um, and then once I heard, because I was on the fence of watching dubbed or subbed, right? Right. When, when, when he was reading or when we were watching My Hero last year, it moves at such a fast pace. Like he's a 10 mm -hmm. at that time. So he can read very good for his age. But trying right. to keep up with that pace, I would have to pause it and stop and all this other stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I want to invest this much time into a cartoon. Let's check out the dubbed version first. And we we, right. we started watching and I hear Piccolo's voice. I hear Chris Sabat's voice. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm never going You're back. In. I'm, You're I'm in. You're in. I was like You're right there. You're locked and loaded. Oh, there's, there's I love that. Scene. There's I love thing. that it was because your heart responded to yeah. somebody you knew. Oh, I love that. That is yeah, awesome. It, it was, it I was, love it was, that. But I'm sitting there and we're watching it. 
and we're banging out like season after season. I think four seasons were out last year. And then my wife was working because she works, she works in a kid's consignment shop. So she was open um, and she was the general manager. So she had to continually go back and forth to work. She was the only person working there. Right. Mm. So, you know, she would come home on lunch breaks or if she had the days off. She would come home because for the first month she wasn't, uh, they, they closed down the store. Every, everybody right. was home. So, you know, we'd get stuff done around the house and shit. And we were watching this cartoon and it gets to a part in the show where uh, Chris Sabat's character, All Might, is fighting the big bad. And he doesn't have enough power left over because he's passing on all this shit to all these quirks. And it's what they're right. called a quirk. So he's passing on. When he passes it on, he gets weaker and he becomes mortal, essentially. And they have, and this is what we were talking about earlier with anime, it's so beautifully shot, well-written, well-acted, well-drawn and everything with most animes. They have this scene where there's a flame inside All Might and he's talking about putting everything on the line. And I'm trying not to get teary-eyed here. Because I get goosebumps every time I think about that scene. Aww. There's a few episodes in there that are so real when you look at it. You're like, God damn, this cuts deep. But his flame, and it's a, it's a symbol for, you know, everybody's time is essentially coming to an end. And his flame right. goes down, right? And I'm standing up and I've got my hands on my head. I'm like, no, no. And I'm walking. I'm pacing back and forth. I'm walking. And I'm like, no, 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 please. They can't, they cannot kill Piccolo, please. I know his name's not Piccolo in this show. It's All Might, but please do not kill my favorite character. And I'm sitting there and my wife's looking at me and she's eating her salad for lunch. And then she looks at me, we make eye contact. And then she looks at me and she goes, you do realize this is fake, right? And I'm like, I don't need your negativity right now. I need you to be positive because they're going to kill my character. They're going to kill one of my favorite characters of all time. And she was like, it's fake. And I'm like, ah, oh, we need a TV upstairs. That's I mean. <laughs> That's mean, man. That's mean. But she's when she I'm deep in, when I'm deep in watching content, you best not come at me with this fake. <laughs> My heart knows it's real. That's it. Was, My heart was, knows it's real. I am living this experience right now. Yeah, it's it was, yeah. It was one of those moments. You went upstairs? Like, Tell me you went upstairs. No, I, I sat down there. I sat back down. I was like, you know, I got to calm. I got to bring myself back down. I'm going to breathe. And then it started happening because they show what happens. He doesn't die. Spoiler alert. Um, but okay, okay. it was such a phenomenal like sequence. And they've got three or four episodes out there. So if you've oh, got the time, check I love it. And my son and I bonded okay, over this show. Know. This is the first anime that we've ever watched yeah. together. And we absolutely I've heard a uh, One Piece does the same thing. Like I have I have uh, father sons that yeah. bond over One Piece, the manga and the series that's doing really well. Attack on Titan, everyone talks about. My hero, everyone talks about. So I'm aware of all the really, really hot content. But mm. I'm like out of I'm I'm like, I played Animal Crossing all last year. <laughs> Can we just, that's that's my content right now like right. if it's not pokemon related and like keep it nice and light like mm -mm. i'm not in for the deep dramatic uh i i well i play pokemon go and pokemon sword shield so i just like to play the game um so my content is very wholesome right now and like not with a lot of death in it unless except the only exception is um is the you know under his eye uh that series that oh, series uh, i have to watch tales. it is i can't yeah but everything else like i'm like no no i'm my heart's not ready for any I, we just lived some serious drama for the last um period of time for my life and i'm like no nah, i don't need to see it on tv this mm -hmm. one will give you this give one will give you hope cartoons cartoons 
this my hero will give you hope you'll see the darkest point in somebody's life and then you see what an he a hero no i don't want to see the darkest point of somebody's life i'm living the darkest point in somebody's life sometimes no i no mm -mm. but if you no, thank you chance, if you get the chance like i said this one is fantastic uh, it is on the list it's on the list if, if i ever if i if i'm ever out of this really pure wholesome content place of like oh this is a break of real life. Then I have a list and it, and those three titles are definitely on my, on my list. So well, thank you for that referral. I appreciate it. And anybody watching. No problem. Heads up, so, my Hero last, Academia. Last question. Who's your buddy in Pokemon Go right now? Because mine is Blastoise because Squirtle is my favorite Pokemon of all time. Who is my buddy? I think it's, um, I'm going to look, I'm going to open it. <laughs> I'm going to open, I think it's Bulbasaur in the big, big, big form. I oh, rename all my Pokemon. I rename all my Pokemon. So does my son. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the big, big, big one with the with the red Venus. umbrella. Yes, that's it. Beautiful, right? So that's my baby. Like I said in the beginning, I'm give him a treat. I did not. Now, now I opened him. He wants a treat. I gotta feed him a treat. <laughs> no, it's like, you. you remember the Tamagotchi? Oh, was it Tamagotchi? Was it right? You had to feed your little pet. You know, you get a little dog or whatever back in the 90s and shit. Yes. Yes. Oh. I also played um, that Neko game for the longest where you had all the Neko Atsume. Yeah. I loved that game. That was really fun. So I had a lot of fun talking to you, man. This is I had fun talking to you, too. So I really appreciate you taking the time for me. Is there anything that we can direct the fans towards that you can, uh, you know, put some traffic towards your way? Is there anything? I know we. Talked oh about yeah. Um, well, this show, uh, this show has been nominated. Uh, this character Bo is from a show called Ask the Storybots. That show has been nominated for twenty six Emmys, mm -hmm. and it won six Emmys, two Annie Awards. There's three season on three seasons on Netflix, and we are working on new content for the Storybots right now. Um, I don't know when it'll come out, but I'm excited. Like, I'm so excited for this new content. Like, you guys don't even know. Like, that. this is like absolute wholesome. No, your, your kids are four and under safe. Um, and it's educational, but not educational where you're bored as a parent, you leave the room. Educational where you're also like, it feels it i can't explain it I, I i want every single parent to watch at least one episode because i think it will knock your socks off as like that you'll want to watch it okay, i truly yeah, believe sure, it sure. because i have learned so much watching this show i'm like i had no idea that that was a thing like the things i have learned first of all i'm i'm not mind blown but the actual content is this is my dream job this is the job i feel like i have been waiting for my entire life mm -hmm. um the team of people behind it it's pure love it's pure love. It's pure wanting to make us all come together as human beings. It's a teamwork makes the dream work kind of a show. And you will learn stuff. Like I know how airplanes fly and what happens when we catch a cold now. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm super smart now. Thank you, Storybots. And more content is coming and it's really gorgeous and lovely. And um, yeah, that's the only thing I want to promote because I'm that everything else you'll find. It's easy to find because everything else gets promoted. Storybots doesn't really get promoted. so. I promote it for, for the show. Beautiful. Well, like I said, I had a lot of fun talking to you. I, I really appreciate Thanks, Julian. your time with me. Uh, there's only really one way to wrap this up. That's been Aaron. I've been Julian. This has been the What's My Head podcast, the podcast for animation and pop culture. Thank you guys so much. Bye, everybody. Go get some ketchup. <laughs> uh, yeah, what she said.
Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.